Welcome to the SG Engage podcast, where it's all social good all the time. Sit back and relax as the brightest minds from across the social good community engage with trends, big ideas, and best practices to help you drive impact. Welcome, everyone. This is Rachel Hutchison, and I'm happy to welcome you to this episode of the SG Engage podcast. As you know, I lead corporate social responsibility here at BlackBot, and I love gathering with people in the world of social good to talk about what's on their minds. I'm here today with Nell Edgington, who's president of Social Velocity, a management consulting firm for nonprofits, and the author of a new book, Reinventing Social Change, Embrace Abundance to Create a Healthier and More Equitable World. So Nell is here to talk about how social good organizations can move from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset and set themselves up for future success. So welcome to the podcast now. Thank you, Rachel. I'm delighted to be here. So these are all really important topics, something, many of them that I'm interested in. But let's just start with the basics. Tell us a little bit about yourself and why you are so passionate about this topic. Yeah, so I've spent my entire career, 25 plus year career in the nonprofit and philanthropic sectors. And over those many years, I became increasingly frustrated by what I saw as dysfunctions um, in the sector, how these amazing social change leaders that had great visions for how we could create a better world were held back because they weren't able to attract enough money, power, influence, resources, people, whatever it was. Uh, were keeping them from achieving their big social change visions. And so that's why I wrote the book. I wanted to provide a, a pathway for these social change leaders to do what I believe they were put here to do. Okay, so you begin your book with a chapter about how the way we do social change, the, the way we go about it is broken. So talk to us a little bit about that. What do you mean by broken and, and why is it broken? So Particularly in the wake of the pandemic, we have realized as a country and really as a world how many of our systems are broken. We suffer from tremendous racial inequity, wealth inequality, our public education system is struggling, our healthcare systems are crumbling. So there are all these challenges that we're facing as a society, and typically our social change sector is there to provide the social safety net, to provide solutions to these problems. But it itself has been held back. It itself is, is so broken by a lack of adequate investment and funding in providing these solutions, a lack of political power and influence to create policy solutions, crushing regulations and norms that hold the sector back. So there's a whole slew of, of restrictions and hurdles that are placed every single day in the path of social change leaders that are trying to solve these, these many complex problems. So segueing from that, we have all these things that, that are in our, our nonprofit leaders way. And the next thing you say is that these leaders also suffer from a scarcity mindset. So, so talk about that and, and why that's happening. It's like these things are compounding on each other. Yeah. So the, a scarcity mindset is essentially believing that there's not enough. There's not enough money, not enough power, not enough board members, not enough volunteers, not enough staff. 
not enough uh, political influence, whatever it might be, there's not enough to achieve my mission as a, as a nonprofit leader. And that scarcity mindset is itself um, what's holding these, these uh, nonprofit leaders back. So it's not necessarily what's broken in society, but it's also the way they're thinking about it or both. Well, I think social change leaders are are here to try and solve what's broken within yep. society. But the system itself, the social change sector itself, how we fund solutions, how we empower our leaders to provide those solutions, that system itself is broken because we don't value them enough. We don't invest in them enough. We put... Um, legal, regulatory, and uh, normative restrictions in their way. We do just about everything we can to try to hold that social change back. Yeah. And, and we know that social change leaders, they have tough jobs to begin with. So what can, can one do to move away from this way of thinking and shift more to abundance? So I strongly believe it, it, it starts with the individual. Um, uh, you know, a broken system isn't going to change itself. So I believe the path forward is for individual social change leaders. And I mean both nonprofit leaders and philanthropic leaders, because philanthropic leaders, I argue, suffer from a scarcity mindset as well. It's up to each of us individually to start to step up, to start to reclaim our own power. So you can only be disempowered if you agree to, to do that. And so instead, I encourage social change leaders to get back to what drew them to this work in the first place, what joy and passion um, draw, drew them to, to doing the work that they do, to start to step into that, to start to treat their funders as equals instead of being beholden to them, to stop over giving. Nonprofit leaders are so good at depleting themselves by giving, 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 and not asking for help and not investing in themselves and in their teams. Um, so there's a whole host of things um, that I think social change leaders can do to reclaim that power and to start opening themselves and their organizations and their work to the abundance of money and people, um, networks, and other things I think that are out there um, to help support that work. So what are some of those things? So if they say, okay, I've, I've adopted this abundance mindset, are there certain steps or, or things that they can do? What would you recommend? Yeah. So essentially you have to eschew the scarcity mindset. So you have to start to believe that maybe there is enough, that maybe there is money out there, that maybe there is are places that you can ask for help. Maybe there are board members that can support the work that you're doing. So it starts with a belief, a belief that it's not just about scarcity, that potentially there is more out there. And then it's starting to build from there and starting to, to reclaim their power, as I mentioned, to start thinking about money. Money is always the biggest hurdle for social change organizations. So starting to think about money as a tool as an ally in the work instead of despising it and fearing it and starting to build that bridge. So one of the tools I offer in the book is um, the power of yet, the, the word yet as a bridge from scarcity to abundance. So, so often around nonprofit boardrooms, you'll hear things like, you know, things about scarcity in terms of we don't know how to fundraise effectively. We can't raise enough money. We don't have the right staff. But if you attach the word yet to any of those statements, it opens the door 
to starting to think about things differently, to asking for help, to getting the expertise that you need, whatever it might be. So we don't know how to fundraise effectively yet becomes an opportunity for board and staff to think differently about the problem and what the potential solutions are out there. So that bridge starts to bring you from scarcity to abundance. Yeah, you're kind of realigning the, the perspective. That's right. So, um, so how can these social change leaders that you're talking about mobilize the people around them, inside the organization, outside the organization, if, if they want to embrace this new abundance mindset? You know, others around them may not also want to do that. So can you give us some kind of practical, you know, that that leader has the belief and, and truly believes it. So, so what really is next about getting others to join them? Mm -hmm. So I talk of it in terms of thinking about your team, both inside your organization's walls. So the clients you serve, the board, the staff, the volunteers, and then outside your walls, which are your networks of partners, funders, collaborators, policy influencers, et cetera. So first of all, just thinking big picture and strategically about who are all the folks around me or could be potentially around me to, to help in this work. And then starting to include them in what is it that we want to accomplish? What are our ultimate social change goals? And getting folks excited about that, helping them understand what their specific role is in getting that, uh, bringing that to fruition. So whether it's your staff and what their piece of it is, what your board's role is, what your partner's role is and how you can work together and all of that, what your funder's role is in doing all of that. So really thinking very broadly about who are all of the um, elements of our team that we want to bring forward in this. And then when you are in boardrooms, as so often happens, as I said, in the nonprofit sector, where the energy starts to drain out of the room and that scarcity thinking comes back to pause and to help people move again to abundance. Yes, you're right. That does seem like a hurdle. Yes, it's hard for us to get any political sway in this environment. So let's think about some other levers we might have to pull to move things forward. So again, always providing that bridge and, and helping people in your network and in your team to move towards that abundance thinking. So you're also getting at kind of I don't want to say it's personality traits, but, you know, in a leader of a social change organization or even a, a, the nonprofit board leader, there are people who are, are better at bringing people along, influencing, engaging, inspiring. Is that something that, you know, if you say I've got a scarcity mindset, I want to shift to an abundance mindset that you feel anybody can do or or is it that? that leader really needs to have that, uh, that um, kind of innate ability to excite, to bring along, to engage with others? I think as human beings, we all have the innate ability to inspire others. We are all able to be inspired, but you can't do that if you are thinking, I'm not enough, there's not enough, this is too hard, I'm burned out, I'm depleted. That's not going to inspire yourself and it's not going to inspire others. So the very act of kind of opening yourself up to this and moving yourself into this abundance mindset, by definition, that becomes inspiring. You as a leader become an inspiration to those around you. And if you hold to that abundance mindset, it, it, it's this sort of um, magnet that I've seen happen um, in organizations time and time again. You become this magnet for a new way forward that inspires board, staff, funders, et cetera, to follow in your footsteps. 
So I was going to ask you, do you have a good example? And if you don't, that's okay. I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot of, of where you've seen that happen, where you've seen that, that leader shift and really be able to bring people along. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I talk a lot about a lot of case studies in my book of, of clients that have moved, you know, past these these hurdles, past the scarcity thinking. And and my favorite is the one I talk about in the in the conclusion. Uh, uh, a woman that I worked with um, for a couple of years. And when I first met her, was just so embroiled in scarcity, just was having a hard time keeping the doors open, keeping her board, you know, engaged and, and even serving, and was just so very depleted. But over a two-year um, span, we put together a, a growth strategy. Um, we got her, you know, some time and space to get re-energized, re-inspired by the work. Um, got her to think about how to mobilize people inside and outside. And she just completely transformed her organization, grew the financial model, grew the board, and really honestly became an inspiration not only to her board and staff, but to her fellow social change leaders in her part of the sector. And so it, it, it just, to me, again, points out that a single person can have such a ripple effect um, once they start moving you know, in this new direction. So this book recently came out. Is that that? It did. Correct? In fact, today, February 9th, is uh, is the launch day. So yeah. Oh wow! Well, <laughs> well congratulations. Thank um, you. And I wanted to ask you because obviously you you work in this field and you you work with a lot of different organizations and have had this long career. Um, I wanted to ask you what your observations were about this past year, which has been. You know, 2020 was a very unusual year and, and, you know, every part of our society, every part of our world was affected in some way by this pandemic and all the other things that swirled around it. Were you seeing more scarcity or more abundance? Or is that what pushed you to, to say, I've got to go talk about abundance? Um, I, so I actually wrote the book just before the pandemic hit and then um, did, you know, editing added in sort of the layer of the pandemic. So um, to me, you know, as I said before, I think the pandemic um, has provided a real opportunity for us to understand what um, systems are broken and, and what the opportunities are. But I've, I've seen both sides. I've seen nonprofit organizations that have completely taken a scarcity approach to the pandemic, you know, even stopping fundraising because they feel it's not right to be raising money in the midst of a pandemic, which I completely disagree with. To the other end of the spectrum, um, in fact, a client of mine that just completely did a pivot because of uh, the impact that the pandemic had on their services, they completely pivoted um, the way they deliver services to you know, more of a virtual approach and has, have just had phenomenal success. And I believe it's because they just, you know, they, they weren't going to be a deer in the headlights. They weren't going to stick their head in the sand. They were you know, very strategic and thoughtful about how do we move with this opportunity in an expansive, um, abundant way. Yeah, it's, it, you know, again, challenging year. It hit all of us um, in different ways, but it has been really fascinating to see what we've learned and what we've gained and what we will change forever going from Absolutely. here. And there are good things about it and there are bad things about it, but it, but I think people really have stepped back. A lot of people I know have taken the moment to step back and think about their own wellness and think about their own lives. And some That's people right. think about, you know, what jobs they do and where they live and if they see family enough and really just hit a reset on, on priorities in a way that 
I think I, I feel more grateful than ever that that I'm able to weather this. Um, although it, it gets you know kind of boring staying at home, I'm, I'm not at great risk. Um, but others have to be out there every day taking care of the people who are ill and and being frontline workers. And you know, it really does give you perspective in the face of all of this and makes us realize how global and hyper local we are at the same time. Which is absolutely. Kind of- and I think it's been a it's been a a societal sort of reset as well. We have all just even globally, we have all, I believe, taken a big step back and said, you know, how are we treating each other as human beings? And is this how we want to move forward? And how are we treating the planet? And is this how we want to move forward? Um, so I think that yes, it's been you know such a crushing year and and just you know so difficult and so much loss. But I also think it's it's given us all a pause and an opportunity to say, you know, we can do better. We can do a lot better. So if you could give the people listening to this podcast who are nonprofit or social good leaders, um, grant makers, companies, just interested parties, a piece of advice, what would be the one single most important thing a social change leader can do today to begin their journey from scarcity to abundance? Mm-hmm. I would say step one is to start to believe that there's a better path. I think so often in the social change th- sector, we get so burdened by there's so much work and, you know, in the midst of the pandemic, there's even more work and it seems like less funding and it's just burden after burden after burden. And you start to believe as a social change leader, there just is never going to be enough and it's just always going to be this hard. But if you can open the door to think, maybe it doesn't have to be this hard, maybe there's a different path forward, and start to explore that, I think that's the way you can start to make that shift. So now this is fascinating work, it's really fascinating that, that you have a resource out there for people to who want to learn more to dive into. So you said the book officially launches today. So where can people go to find out more? So the book is available at all major retailers, Amazon, um, BookBub, IndieBound, etc. Um, but you can find all the links and, and all that information at socialvelocity.net slash book. Socialvelocity.net slash net. Say that again. Socialvelocity.net slash book. .net slash book. Get your little... <laughs> That's in the right place. Well, now I want to thank you for joining us today on the SG Engage podcast. This is um, really fascinating. I think it's it's good timing. I think you know if if you are one of those social good leaders who who has a little bit of time to reflect, maybe when you take your walk. I know I go out every single day to walk to kind of clear my mind. Maybe think about scarcity and abundance and whether we're adopting one or other of those mindsets and how we might switch because because you can apply it to your work, but you can also apply it to your life. That's absolutely right. Thank you so much for having me, Rachel. I appreciate it. You are so welcome. So to the SG Engage audience, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. This is Rachel Hutchison signing off.